to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. It seems like recently I have had a conversation repeatedly um, similar to, to this. Pastor, I'm struggling right now with, with what life is throwing at me. And uh, I dare say... I, I can't, I want to be careful because I don't think anybody in the room has had that conversation with me in the last couple of days that I can remember. <laughs> but, but we have, and one person had even said, and I, I hadn't really kind of, it kind of summed up what a lot of people have said to me, uh, but somebody just yesterday said to me, I just want to catch my breath. Have, have you ever felt like that? Uh, we all have at, at times. Um, and, you know, we, we all go through seasons in our lives, do we not? And, and sometimes it just feels like, you know, you get, you get hit with one thing, and, and just as you kind of are getting back on balance, you get hit again. And, and it's just bang, 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 bang. And... Um, as as I was thinking about it uh, this afternoon, or, or actually this morning, um, I thought about that. I thought, you know, we, there are just times in our lives that it's just it is just nonstop, and you know, we can ask ourselves a lot of questions in times like that, and and uh, we can actually. Um, start to struggle a little bit, can we not? Um, the story we're about to read is a familiar one. We've read it a couple of times already, but I want to I go ahead and, and read it again because there's a point to it. Um, uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 11, it says, And he said, A certain man had two sons, uh, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto him his living. Now, <clears throat> we don't have to read that. We're, you know, we've read this already several times. Most of us are very familiar with the story. But so you tell me what happens in this story chronologically. What 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 happens? Okay, this son goes to his father and he says. I want my, basically, he says, I want my inheritance now. What happens next? Okay, Sharon? Okay, and, and, he, and, he, and he blows it. He, he takes off. And, he, and it, the, the Bible says that he, that he wasted his, his inheritance. Then, then what happened? Okay, you're, okay, nope. You skipped a, You skipped an important section. Okay, he got a job. He got a job doing what? Feeding pigs. Okay. Now we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Um, 
what is the worst job in the world for a little Jewish boy? Feeding pigs. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, what else did he do with the pigs? He ate with them. So not only did he have to feed them, but he had to eat with them. Then he did what? Then he repented. And he did, and then he, he did what? Okay, he went home. There you go. Okay, he just wanted to be one of his dad's servants. Okay. Um, but what did the dad do? Yeah, he, he, they had a big party. They, they, they celebrated the return of the son. Now, what did the older brother do? He got jealous. So, that's this story in a nutshell. Now, I'm confident, and I say this because I am, I am the parent of an adult child. Two adult childs. <laughs> okay? How many of you that are parents of adult childs have watched your children make bad choices? We, we all have. Okay? Now, when you were an adult child, did your parents cringe at the choices you made? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, it's part of the game, okay? It's just part of the game we play. It's part of life. So I am confident that the father in this story couldn't help but ask the question, why? Why, why is my son doing this? And then I'm very confident also that the son, when he was eating with the pigs, asked the question, why? So, we, we started this a couple of weeks ago, calibrating uh, my relationship with God. Point A was, who is God? And I gave you some questions. I want to kind of go through this very quickly so that we <clears throat> kind of get, get our, our thinking back where it was cause, because it's been a couple of weeks since we were here. Yeah, this is still part of, yeah, what do you do when life is turned upside down? This is actually uh, point number six, I believe. Yeah, calibrating your relationship with God is point number six in our study. But who is God? Um, and th the question that I ask is, did the father know that the choices the son was going to make would end badly? Absolutely he did. But what was the son's response, or the father's response? He just let him do it. And, and as a parent, how many, how many of you enjoy watching your children make unwise choices? None of us do. It is. It's tough love. You just have to let them make it and hope that they learn by it. In fact, I, I spent some time talking to Pastor Tice about this very thing, uh, we, you know, because of him teaching on the family, you know, I, 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 you know, what do you do? You know, because you know, as a pastor, I need to know how to help people. You know, what what do you do when when an adult child makes poor choices? Got to love them, love them through it. You know, pray a lot. Okay, question: 
Does our Heavenly Father know that some of the choices that we, are go- that we make are going to turn out badly? Yeah. Absolutely He does. Can, and can you, imag- can you imagine the grief that must be to the heart of God? I mean, as, as earthly parents, we grieve when our adult children make unwise choices. Can you imagine the heart of God? I can't. We talked about the stories that preceded that precede the 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 story of the prodigal son. What were what were the two stories? Okay, the lost and the lost sheep. The lost coin and the lost sheep. How did those two stories end also? With rejoicing. And, and w- all of these stories, there are three stories in this single parable. We talked about that. Because if you go back to uh, verse um, verse 3 of chapter 15, it says, And he spake this parable unto them, saying... And there are three stories in the parable, and they are all three parallel. And they all re- end in rejoicing. We must remember the problem of sin is taken care of at the cross. We we cannot forget that the sin of the the problem of sin is taken care of at the cross. Our sins are paid for. I read this statement a couple weeks ago, I wanted to read it again. Our sins do not need to be paid for. They just need, uh, they, they just simply need to be purged. And that's where we have 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. <clears throat> if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our sins need to be purged. Our sins have already been paid for. Now let, let me let me let me ask a question. If 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 not if, but when I sin, what does God see when He looks down on me? The blood of Christ. The, the my sins are paid for. But in order to have right fellowship with God, what do I have to do? I need to I need to purge my sins. My sins are paid for, but I need to purge my sins. So it's it's important we kind of get a hold of that. So uh, two weeks ago we we came we came to point number letter B or, or point number two here. Uh, <clears throat> what is God up to? Have you ever asked that question? What is God up to? <laughs> what are you doing? What are you up to? And and uh, we started with a, a series of questions that we only got as far as the the first question. And the the first one is, and I get this often, and I I I am I am it is staggering to me how often this question is asked me. And that is this: Is God punishing me? I cannot tell you how many times over the last 12 years someone has said that to me. Is God? Why is God punishing me? 
That that is a scary place to live. Question. Does God punish us? No. There you go. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Because of the sacrifice of Christ, God only sees my righteousness. Okay, second question. And this this goes hand in hand. Really, all of these questions go hand in hand, but the first one and the second one really go hand in hand. And that is this. Uh, and, and that's where we left off. So question number two, are there consequences to my, for my sin? Are there consequences for my sin? Absolutely there are consequences. See, we make the choice to do what we want to do, but we cannot choose the consequences. There are built-in consequences to sin. And I want to be very clear here. Consequences are not judgment or anger from God. It is simply the result of doing wrong. See, if... I'm just going to put it out there. Um, If... If, a, if I were to sin and commit a, I don't know, adultery or whatever, w- would God forgive me for, for that? Okay? He would. But what would be the consequence of that? Okay. Okay, guilt. Okay, the other person, what my my wife's, you know, yeah. you know. Okay, what what are some other consequences? Okay, I would lose my job. Okay, see see, those are consequences. That that's not God punishing me. Those are consequences of my actions. And and we need to understand that. And it's it's really easy to to misunderstand what God is doing in our lives sometimes because of the consequences of sin. Um, I, I I've known people who have uh, quote unquote people who who are believers in Jesus Christ who have drank themselves to death, cirrhosis of the liver killed them at a, at, in their prime. Why? Does, does God love them? Absolutely. Did God kill them? No, they killed themselves. It is the consequences of drinking. You know, we, we, <clears throat> we oftentimes misunderstand, I think, what God is doing in our lives. And, 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 well, let, let me, let me stick to my notes here. <clears throat> if I, 
were to step in front of a moving vehicle, what would be the result? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to leave a mark, okay? Just saying. Okay? You know, that... that, that <clears throat> but I have had people tell me, well, why didn't God stop me? Or why didn't God stop that person from drinking? Or why didn't God intervene on this particular situation? This is a question that we need to answer. He gave us a free will to make our own choices. Now, did God bring conviction into the heart of that person who drank themselves to death? I, I, I believe he did. How, why, why do I believe he did? Because when I do stupid things, God convicts my heart. So, the consequences of sin. Number three, <clears throat> is there really something called spiritual warfare? Okay, now I want to talk about, for just a moment, the problem that a lot of people have when dealing with spiritual warfare. There are two primary errors in thinking with many believers. The first one, anybody want to take a guess at it? I didn't think so. (laughs) Overemphasis. The second error that many believers have with spiritual warfare is underemphasis. What do I mean by that? Overemphasis. These are the people that blame everything that goes wrong on the devil. You know, I heard a pastor one time say this, and I believe it to be very, very true. And that is, when we get to heaven, we're going to find out that Satan didn't do near as much as we gave him credit for Because we we blame everything on the devil. You know, uh, I want to say this. How many of you have heard someone say that this this pandemic that we are in the midst of is from the devil? Okay. Name me one time in the Bible where Satan brought a pandemic. Okay, but in Scripture, who brought pandemics in Scripture? Pestilence. In the Old Testament, they were pestilence. The plagues. God did. To, 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 in, in the Old Testament, it was to get the nation of Israel to get their attention. Well, in Egypt, yeah, in Egypt, yeah, but but still. So, but what I'm saying is, oftentimes spiritual warfare is a real thing, but then oftentimes we blame everything on it, and then there's those Christians that don't believe that there is spiritual warfare, 
and they and and they and they they just they 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 just ignore the the spiritual realm if you would now what is the truth the truth is there is spiritual warfare we are in a fight Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 to 13 says finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against uh, the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places wherefore Take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil days. And having done all to stand, having done all to stand, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Jesus is our ultimate example of resisting the devil or resisting spiritual warfare because it is real. I've, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times in the last 12 years. Does Satan want to ruin your day tomorrow? He wants to destroy you. He is a roaring lion. He is as a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. He wants to destroy you. Spiritual warfare is real. And we need to be prepared for it. And the way we prepare for it, Jesus gives us a perfect example. Turn over to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. <clears throat> Did I give you that one, Chris? No. Okay, sorry. That's all right. We can look at it in our Bibles. Matthew chapter 4. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, And uh, then was Jesus led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Again, okay, what is this? Spiritual warfare. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, uh, he, he was uh, afterward a hungered. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> when are we the most vulnerable? When we're, when we're tired and hungry. Boy, you talk about irritable. Let me get hungry. Just saying, right, sweetie? <laughs> hangry, yes. Okay. <laughs> Verse number three. And when the tempter came. Now, who who is Satan? The tempter. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be... The Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil uh, taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a, on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, as it is written, he shall uh, give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is written again, 
Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And again, the devil uh, taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the, of the world and the glory of them and said unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. I, fi- I find that incredibly interesting. Because who was he? He's God. I, anyway, yeah, I know. Um, then said Jesus unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. At his very weakest point, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, he withstood the tempter. Jesus handled the direct attack from Satan when he was in the wilderness. Each temptation was combated with what? As it is written. I love I love the second one. It says, it is written again. I love the word again. Why? Because he had just said, look, the Bible says this. And okay, I'm going to have to say it again. What was he doing? The word of God is, is alive. It is, the, it is the word of the living God. Absolutely, because this is the most powerful weapon that we possess. And where does Satan attack us? Okay, but 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 where? Our minds. And if we can memorize Scripture, what can we do? We can we can recall Scripture, can we not? Now, Jesus here is having a face-to-face conversation with Satan. We don't don't do that, but we have the struggle in our minds, do we not? Psalm chapter 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. See, when we hide it away in our hearts and in our minds, when the temptation comes. Okay, and then we've talked about this before, and, and I want to I talk about it again here real quick. Is the temptation the problem? No. Right. Okay. Jesus was tempted, and, and, and he didn't sin, right? See, the problem isn't the temptation. It is the response to the temptation. Candy? Like Eve. Okay. Eve just didn't respond well. Adam didn't respond well. The problem isn't the temptation. The problem is how we respond. Number four, <clears throat> the fourth question, and and the, again, this kind of goes along with what we've what we've been talking about. Is a trial allowed by God uniquely for His glory? 
You sure? Okay. Okay. So let okay, before I go on, let's talk about this because this is an important question. Is a trial allowed by God uniquely for his glory? Okay, why would you say that? Okay. 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 All right. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. What about Job? Okay. Okay. Right. Right. Okay. Oh, okay, Sharon. Okay, first, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. Anybody else? Okay, okay, okay. As Candy said, I believe Job is a perfect example of, of this question. In James chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, Behold, uh, we count uh, them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Job chapter 27, verses 2 through 4. As God liveth, who hath taken away my judgment? And the mighty, and excuse me, the almighty, who hath vexed my soul, all the while my breath is in me, and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils. My lips shall not speak wickedness nor my tongue utter deceit. What what was what I what was what do you think Job was trying to communicate here? Because he, he says some pretty hard things here. He says, um, uh, the Almighty hath vexed my soul. I mean that, that's pretty harsh. But then he goes on to say, <clears throat> My lips shall not speak with wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. What what is he saying? No matter what happens, I am going to continue to praise God. There you go. There you go. So if, if God allowed Job's hardship for a higher purpose. Now, I believe that statement, but let me, let me qualify it here. What was the higher purpose? 
Yeah, in, in the life of Job, what was the higher purpose for Job to go through what he went through? Okay. Okay, God God humbled Job absolutely. Okay. What what else what else came from it? Okay, hopefully his friends yeah, hopefully his friends learned a thing or two. What else? Brian? Okay. 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 What started the whole thing with Job to begin with? Satan. Right. Okay. But what was Satan doing? Satan was, he was looking for somebody to take out. And that's when he says, hey, have you considered my servant Job? Okay. <laughs> okay. But ultimately, who got the glory? God did. Because of the faithfulness of Job. Now, did did Job... For lack of better terminology, did Job reap any rewards out of it? At the end, he did. Yeah. What what happened? He he was even richer uh, as a result, and he had more kids. Stuck with the same wife. <clears throat> no, I, I I actually I actually want to meet her someday because I I I. I I think that when she says that to Job, you know, just just curse God and die. I, I don't think that it, it, she was saying what we think she was saying. Yeah, I, I recently read an, a, a, an article that was written about that, and 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 I, I don't believe that's what she was saying. But I, I you know, so anyway, it, it will be interesting to say, okay, what exactly did you mean by that? But um, uh. Exactly. Well, that's true. This is true, yes. <clears throat> okay, so God allowed Job's hardships. Satan, God, God allowed Satan to do incredible things to Job. But ultimately, who got the glory? God did. So, so, yes. I keep going to God knew Job. Mm-hmm. Well, yes and no, okay? I, I don't believe he picked Job because he knew Job would resist. I think he picked Job because Job needed to learn some things in his life, and pride was one of them. Well, he, but he knew Job's heart, but but I but I still think that that he was trying to purify Job's heart, and he picked Job because Job needed to learn some things, and I believe with all my heart that Job was a completely different person on the backside of it than he was on the front side. Candy. Exactly. Right. And what did Satan? Say when he said, "Hey, have you considered my my servant Job?" Yeah, was, yeah. What am I going to do to him? Right, exactly. So <clears throat> now, why then? Okay, let's put it in context in our lives. Why then would God put us through a trial? 
the same reason he did Job. To stretch us, to grow us, to make us something that we're not currently. Right. And he prayed first. Right. So he needed to grow. Candy? That's the whole point. That's the whole point. You know, the only difference, and I, I want to say this because I want, I want to be careful when I say this. I shouldn't say the only difference. But I think you'll understand what I'm trying to say, hopefully. The only difference between Job's trial and our trials is Job's trial is public. Everybody knows what he was thinking. Everybody knows what was said to him. Everybody knows what he went through. And oftentimes the trials that we go, on, go through are where? Private. Can you imagine? I would imagine. I, I don't know. I know there have been a lot of trials that I've gone through that I want nobody to know about. And that would have been one of them. Because Job bears his heart, and we see it. Why? And I think the reason why... Job's life is transparent so that we can learn by it and grow. Because a lot of the things Job says and a lot of things his friends say are things that we have said and the things we have heard. Okay, <clears throat> question number five. Let's, yes. Yes, yes, yeah. Oh, no, 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 absolutely. Okay, uh, let's see if we can get through this one very quickly here. Um, last question, question number five. Does God chasten or discipline those that he loves? Of course he does. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. The word chastening here is not God's fury but God's favor. Process that for a minute. God's chastening or his discipline in our life is not God's fury or his wrath. It is his love or his favor in our lives. Now, those of you that are parents, hopefully you'll understand what I'm about to say. At least I can, only, I can speak for Melanie and I. Why did we discipline our children? Because we hated them or because we loved them? Because we loved them. We wanted them to turn out to be civil human beings, profitable human beings to the human race. We didn't want them to be spoiled, rotten brats. Why? Because we love them. Why does God chasten us? Because he loves us. 
It does not mean when he, um, the word chasten is, is an incredible word. It, it does not mean punishment or payment. But it does mean to discipline, to nurture, to teach, to train. And it all is in the context of love. When God chastens us, it is because he loves us. I, I, I want to emphasize this here real quick. Um, uh, God does not punish his children, but he does chasten his children. And you say, what's the difference? Well, there's a big difference. When's the last time you were in Walmart? <laughs> I, I one of the reasons and I'm just being honest one of the reasons I hate going to Walmart and I don't know why it is at Walmart more than anywhere else but at Walmart I hate it because I, I see kids out of control and I see parents do some horrific things slapping their kids you know yelling at them doing all kind of horror I, I, I'm like are you kidding that is not love. That is not chastening. That's anger. And we cannot al allow ourselves to think. Okay, let, let me ask you this. If we think the question, why is God angry at me, where does that go? What, what are, what's the next step to that? Bitterness. Toward who? God. And we cannot allow ourselves to go down that road. What we need to do is ask ourselves, okay, what am I supposed to learn here? Oh boy, I don't have time. Turn over to Hebrews. I was hoping to finish tonight, but I don't think I'm going to. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, let's start reading in verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Lord, uh, uh, whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastening, whereof <clears throat> are all the partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons? Furthermore, we have <clears throat> had fathers of our flesh, which uh, correct us and give, and and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily, for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure but he for our profit that we might be partakers <clears throat> of his holiness now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous but grievous nevertheless afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are ex exercised thereby. 
Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Now, let me ask you a question. The first part of the look, look, look at, look at. Well, I probably need to stop. Um, I, I want you to to spend some time this week thinking about this passage that we just read. And basically, why does why do human parents discipline their children? According to this passage, for their own pleasure. For their own pleasure. So, because why? Because I don't want to raise a bunch of brats. Okay, I mean, honestly, okay, but why does God chasten us according to this? For our own good. So I want you to kind of think about this and mull over it, and we're going we're gonna to talk about this next week. So, so we're going to be coming back here, but we need to understand the importance of the chastening of God in our lives. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we ask that you would speak to our hearts that you would help us, dear God, to be more like you in everything that we say and do. And Lord, help us to keep all of this in perspective because we need you. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, Again, if you can help with the food for the memorial service, uh, please sign up.